In 2007, Soldier Boy taught us all to Superman that hoe. The iPhone was named Time Magazine's Invention of the Year, and the Superman of the London Metropolitan Police Service, Nicholas Angel, transfers to Sanford to take on the NWA. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ. Uh, and I am Joe here as always with LPJ, or at least these days yeah. always with LPJ. Which is which is totally fine with me. Yeah, exactly. Sphinx can eat a dick. <laughs> Whoa, coming in hot right off the top Real of this hot. episode. I tried to get him to show up today for the recording session, and he's like, "No, I'd rather go hang out someplace else." Oh man, not even for one of the episodes. No, he didn't even want to. I told him what we were doing for our Patreon special. He's like, mm, "I'm out." Oh, come on, Sphinx, get it together. <laughs> uh, so with us in studio, we have. A very special guest. We have. We didn't really decide what we were going to call you. If you wanted a nickname or anything, so I'll introduce you as my brother-in-law, Paul. <laughs> That's fine. I normally go by Paul. Um, back home, I go by Nugget. Nugget. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're. You're. Yes. I know because your yeah, thing. Yeah. Your email address. That's right. But no one's called me that in a few years. Why do they? Because the only other person I know of named Nugget was uh, Owen Hart, and they called him Nugget because people thought he was a piece of shit. Oh, that's okay. not why they call me. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. No, I wanted to make sure that was not the I, case with you. I think I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Why already already with wrestling talk, huh? I know I couldn't help it. <laughs> I'm the only one here who's probably watched wrestling at all. Uh, well, well, I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time either. No. Well, I feel out of place. Hulk Hogan <laughs> is the last guy I remember. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> All right, so this week we got. Go ahead. We are not here to talk about wrestling. We are not here to talk about wrestling. We have a separate show for that. Please check out the Dungeon of Doom starring Deadite. <laughs> um, so this week we're talking about hot fuzz. I don't know why I said it like a radio DJ. <laughs> hot fuzz, hot fuzz, coming to you live <laughs> on Monday nights. Oh, uh, so Paul, we asked you to pick a movie, and well, I'm not surprised you picked. An Edgar Wright movie, knowing your personality. Right. Um, I'm glad you didn't pick a uh, what it's Father Ted episode. I assume well, that might have been it. I was going to pick uh, the episode Speed Three, right? Which is a Father Ted episode. Uh huh. Um, which I'm sure you can guess is based on the movie Speed. Oh, not the drug. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Um, but um, it was too short. There's not a lot in it. So. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. This uh, is so, my second choice. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so why Hot Fuzz? Uh, Hot Fuzz, I think it, well, you know what, I'm not really a, a massive action guy, so okay. when you asked me, I was like, okay, well, what movie are going to pick that I actually enjoy, and so, um, I'm from the, from the UK, and so Simon Pegg, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, I'm a huge fans of theirs, sure. like the stuff was spaced, and um, Simon um, Pegg was in a uh, really cool uh, sketch show called Big Train uh-huh. originally, and I've seen him in a few like, just bits of pieces of other things. So uh, I wanted to pick something that I had seen a few times and knew a little bit about. So I went for 
Hot fuzz. Well, well, I appreciate you picking a movie that you're familiar with. <laughs> that would have made things difficult for us. Um, so, what is what was your first experience seeing this movie? I think I saw it in the in the well. We say cinema, but you say yeah, say theater. Well, our listeners are smart <laughs> enough to figure out what's going on. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I think I, I saw it in the theater with my friends uh, when it came out. Um, back whenever that was. Oh, seven. What was the release in this? Uh, March fourteenth, two thousand seven. Ah. Oh. Okay. Well, March 14th here. Okay. Release date in the UK was actually February 16th. Oh, shoot. All mm-hmm. right. And oh. here was actually April 20th. All right. I'm Weird. A <laughs> good thing we're not in France. July 18th. Oh, shoot. You are cool. way off. Well, I don't know. This is a good guess. Maybe you're off. You just have a computer in front of you, so you think you know what you're talking about. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so you saw it in the theater. Right. Um, good. Yeah. With my friends and... Um, just thought it was hilarious. Like Simon Pegg and the Cross, or just you know everything they, they do together is amazing. So had you seen? I'm assuming you saw Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Okay. I'd seen it before, so I was excited about it. And I knew it was sort of like this sort of like trilogy sort mm-hmm. of thing that they're working on. So right. Um, I was intrigued to see that how what the next one would be like, and you know Shaun of the Dead was amazing. So it was really good. Yeah. Joe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing this when it came out. Um, I guess I don't have specific memories of seeing it at the theaters, but I remember seeing it. I don't think we saw it together. I see no. that quizzical look in I'm your like, face. I'm like, because I can never remember sometimes. Especially no. like this this time frame is a little fuzzy. Yeah, 2000, <laughs> pun intended. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, like, this is the time I think when we didn't see as many movies together. Um, but I definitely saw it, was a fan of Shaun of the Dead, so definitely wanted to see what they had coming up next. And... As a bonus, and uh, around that time is when I bought everything that I saw, so I own this movie on DVD, so I was delighted when you told me that we were doing it, because it's always fun to not have to try and track down the movie. <laughs> this movie, first of all, I'm going to tell you how I got this movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's this web, there's this app called Voodoo, which I'm sure you're aware of, right. and they do a disc-to-digital, so if you own the DVD, you can scan the barcode, and buy a digital copy for two bucks. And then it goes, you can watch it digitally. So I pulled up a picture of the DVD case online, scanned it, and bought it for two dollars. This is now? Yeah. It's on Netflix, you realize. You can just watch no, it wasn't on Netflix at the time. Oh, really? It's on Netflix UK. Oh. But it's not on Netflix. They had well, they had just taken this off of Netflix. Oh, back when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was on Netflix. Yeah, I, they, it's right. not on Netflix anymore. I'm surprised point. you didn't own this actually. Well, that's what I was trying to. I was trying to figure out when I when the first time I saw this was. I don't think it was in the theater. Okay. I'm fairly certain I watched it on Netflix when it was on Netflix. Okay. Which would have been maybe just a couple years ago, but I've seen it a couple times since. It's been on TV, I think, once or twice. Right. Um. But yeah, I don't really have a specific memory of sitting down to watch this movie. I definitely didn't go in the theater. Okay. And I know I didn't see Shaun of the Dead in the theater. I think I saw that separate. I think you might have told me about it, Paul. Right. And then I went and saw Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Were, were they, like Simon Pegg wasn't really a big name. No. Around Shaun of the Dead. Was no. He here, no. No. It wasn't until, I mean, I'm thinking he was a big name. I mean, I maybe think until the, Star Trek. Well, I was gonna say, I think these movies. Well, um, I guess I don't know the the the, um, the dating on it, but he was in Mission Impossible Three. Oh, the third one. Yeah, he was in the third one, and then in all the continuing ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know the right. dates between those and the Star Trek movies, but the, I think these movies definitely put him into the yeah, made him a known. Quantity. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I agree. Absolutely. 
so yeah, so I hadn't, so I wasn't. I, Netflix is when I saw it, and I, I went. I saw Shaun of the Dead first, then this, um, and I have not seen World's End yet. Oh, you've never seen it? I saw no. that in the theaters. That's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I hadn't seen Hot Fuzz in a while, so much so that when I was watching it, I couldn't remember like what the ending was. Really? <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm like, I know there's a thing going on, and I just like I couldn't figure it out until like the actual reveal. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then it like, kind of came to me. But I was like clueless watching the whole thing. It had been that long. That's funny. Yeah. Because they kind of telegraph everything. I mean, yeah, I guess if you think about it now, but at the time yeah. when I was rewatching it, I was like, ah, I was like, I know there's something and I kind of knew, but I couldn't quite remember it till we got to it. And, but it made it watching it a lot better, I think, knowing, having that little bit of surprise. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, so as we mentioned, this stars uh, Simon Pegg, uh, along with Nick Frost. And it was uh, written and directed by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Right. Uh, who Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg have been collaborating for, I don't know, forever. Did they collaborate in space together? Yeah, I think he directed space. I, I'm fairly certain, well, yeah. yeah. Um, Frost, but Nick Frost wasn't on space though, was he? Oh yeah, he was. He was like his his friend. Yeah, they oh, didn't, I didn't realize he was on space. They, I don't think he? they lived together. I mean, I, I'm not so familiar with Space. It's not like it wasn't one of my favorite shows. But I've only seen a couple clips. Here yeah, I haven't seen the show. Um, but he was in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I so, think I think Simon Pegg got him into acting. Uh, I think they were they were friends. I'm not sure exactly how they were friends, how they knew each other, but he kind of got him into it, and that's kind of how he started his career. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite people in this movie is good old Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, who's come up a couple times in the show. Yeah, which is like, you know, not to bring up James Bond month for the million time, but James Bond, you're wrong about License to Kill. It's a great movie starring Timothy Dalton as James Bond. It's not that great. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot. This cast is actually pretty big, especially now seeing, because I I watch a lot of... uh, a lot of like BBC America shows and stuff like that. And a lot of those are taken right from BBC. Like six months later, we get them here in the States. So people like Martin Freeman, Bill Nighy, um, who else was in it that I saw? Uh, oh, um, um, Olivia, uh, Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they're all kind of mainstays of current British television. Uh, and they, they appear in this movie along with several other people. I mean, what, what people stood out to you? Well, I, it was interesting earlier. I was on looking on IMDb, and so there's, there's a few of the actors who I didn't know, but you know, like it's a, it's a pretty big movie, and like Jim Broadbent's in it, yeah, yeah, like Oscar winners, and so I kind of saw some of these actors. And I was like, I don't recognize you from anything, but you're in this movie with these big names. So you must be somebody. <laughs> uh oh. So I have a pop quiz for the two. Okay. How many Oscar winners appear in this film? When it was made, or currently as of current as of right now that's a that's a good distinction <laughs> um i, I I'm, am i guessing just guessing sure i'm gonna say two okay i know jim broadbent won an oscar okay olivia coleman just yep. won an oscar um i think two as well the answer is four See now, now I know because I you know I did my research. I know the other two. I wasn't thinking of like the people that are actually in the movie. You're talking about some of the. Uh... This is an inception level pop quiz. <laughs> pop quiz, hot shot. A pop quiz within a pop quiz. Who was the crazy mall Santa who stabs Angel in the hand? I do know this one. That's, I know this one as well. It's Peter Jackson. Who is our third Oscar winner? Right. Oh yes, I remember the other one. And the fourth Oscar winner. 
Kit. Nicholas's girlfriend. Kit Blanchett. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. Yep. Yeah. See, and I knew those two, and I was like, I got it. And then I was like, oh, I forgot about people that are actually right. <laughs> speaking role or right, right, right. bigger roles in the movie. So. Right. So there we go. So there's double inception level pop quiz. You got me. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> so anyway, so people in this in the movie. Oh, oh well, before we get too far past the cast, we yes. got to go to my favorite non-name segment for the podcast, where we talk oh. about net worths of some of the individuals in this movie. All right. So I just I just took a couple, some of the big ones. So let's start with, uh, I, I did Edgar Wright, pretty known name. What do you think? Net worth for Edgar Wright. I'm going to say the fact that he writes and directs and produces. Granted, his movies aren't huge, but lately they've become a little bit more consistent. I'm going to say he's around 100 million. Okay. You got a guess? Net worth. I think that's pretty good. I'd say a little bit less, 80 million. You guys are way too high uh, by what I found via the internet, which is always right. It's only $10 million. What? That, that seems real low. You can Google it right now. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll be looking at the same <laughs> thing if I do, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, you don't know. I mean, his movies aren't that big. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, next up on the list, Timothy Dalton. T. Daltz, James Bond himself. I'm going to say Timothy Dalton is worth, well, he was just in Penny Dreadful, so his career is still going relatively strong. I'm going to say $30 million. Okay. Got a guess? $31 million. Okay, you're both high again. <laughs> it's only $10 million for Timothy Dalton. This is making me sad. I'm just going to say $10 million for all of these. Okay, two more. Uh, we'll, we'll go Nick Frost next. $10 million. <laughs> Negative ten million dollars. He <laughs> is he is in DMX territory. You're closer. He's at sixteen million dollars. It's wow. more than Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And, and wow. And then finally Simon Pegg. Wow. Well, I guess he thirty million. Okay. Uh, higher than that, sixty million. Uh, twenty-five oh. million. So, you guys are giving him too much credit. Wow, yes. that really blows my mind. That. Uh, Timothy Dalton does not have more money than that. Well, I mean, $10 million still seems like a lot of money to me. Well, no, I, I get to <laughs> us, yeah, but not to Timothy Dalton. Should be. All right, well, that, that, that was a bummer. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that's supposed to be fun. I didn't mean to bum you guys out. Kind of bummed out yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're living comfortable lives with their millions of dollars. I'm so. sure they're fine. They've just diversified, so it's not all liquid. Yeah, Timothy Dalton, he's on that um, Doom Patrol show on the DC streaming network now. He's oh, good. that's right. He is. I forgot he about is, that. Yeah, okay. Um, also, uh, the Rotten Tomato score on this one, take a swing at that. I think it's actually pretty high. I think it's like 89. 89. Got a guess? Rotten uh, Tomatoes? 94. Uh, you're both pretty close. It's 91%. 91, okay. And an audience score of 89, so right around, they're pretty pretty close, yep. both of them. So. That makes sense to me. That one, at least, I, I can trust is correct, because I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, where were we? Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, that's the cast. Um. We should probably get into this a little bit here. Maybe a little bit. One thing I wanted to mention okay. real quick, like the, the music, the, the the score, I don't really have anything to say about the composer, right. uh, David Arnold. I did say... Well, David Arnold is a big name. Right, because he. I was looking at the movies that he's done, and there's a lot of interesting stuff. He does. Um, a uh, former... <laughs> an episode that we did, uh, one that he did music for, a lot of James Bond movies, but Die Another Day being one of them. Yeah, he does a lot of... He, he kind of took over as the James Bond composer. Right, and one that I saw that was in particular interest to you was Stargate, so I just wanted yeah, to bring that up. Yeah, you did up. do Stargate, that's right. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you ever do a Stargate episode, help me out. <laughs> oh, you're going to be in. It's going to be our Patreon special. Just me and you locked in a room talking Stargate. 
Which is kind of what this is, locked in a room. Yeah, it's fair. I can't leave, people. You can't see right now, but I'm like chained to this chair and forced to do the podcast. That is correct. <laughs> uh, so the movie actually did pretty well. Yeah, I saw that. Um, budget wasn't that big. It was $12 million budget. Uh, and it made here in the States $80.7 million. It's a little over $80 million. Wow. I didn't have a figure for worldwide. I imagine it's probably, probably around... It probably made like a hundred million dollars, maybe more. Yeah, but I would still, say. I mean, that's for for what the budget was. That's a pretty impressive uh, haul. Pretty pretty good uh, turnaround there. Yeah, and it's definitely it's the most uh, financially successful of the three films. They're calling it. So what what do you what is the trilogy called? Like the, I've seen the Cornetto trilogy, the Ice Cream trilogy, like, I, and by trilogy we mean Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Hot Fuzz and World's End. Those are the three movies that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright made together as like a trilogy. Right. I've I've only known it as the Cornetto trilogy. Okay. So Cornettos are. Do you have you don't have Cornettos here? No. They're like. Um, it's drums, a brand. Drumsticks. Yeah. They're sort of like drumsticks. They're ice cream you unwrap and. Yep. Um, so that's where that's where that's, that's where, where the name comes from. from. Yeah, because yeah, Nick Frost character eats ice cream in this like crazy. Yeah, we go into the store a few times right. to get some ice cream. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of characters, uh, Simon Pegg plays Nicholas Angel. What is what is PC police? Uh, police constable. Police constable. Yeah. <laughs> police constable Nicholas Angel. I he think. is uh, an overachieving London metropolitan police officer uh, who's kind of making the rest of the precinct look bad. Yeah, I think they say he has a, his arrest record is four hundred percent higher than anybody else's in London. Right. Um. So they, there's this hilarious scene where they tell him he's being shipped to uh, Sanford to kind of take over as as the as one of the as the sergeant there. Right. And um, so he he asks to speak to the supervisor, <laughs> and the first supervisor comes in is um, so Martin Freeman. Is Martin Freeman, and then uh, Martin Freeman says, "All right, I'm going to call the the next guy up." It's and it's, uh, I can't think That's of his name. Dave Coogan. Oh, it's Dave Coogan, yeah. Dave Coogan. Yeah. Steve Coogan, yeah. And then the last one, Bill Nighy comes in, tells him the same thing, and basically says, yeah, you're making us all look bad. <laughs> you're leaving whether you like it or not. Yeah. And it's a very funny scene. It's yeah. hilarious, yeah. And it's one of their those guys, I think they appear one other time in the movie toward the end, right? Uh, Well, Martin Freeman's the narrator throughout the whole thing. Um, Does, is Coog- does Coogan pop back up? I don't Bill I Nighy doesn't. So. I thought they pop back up at the end, but maybe I'm wrong. It might be. Oh, they do. Yeah, the three of them do pop up at the end and ask him to come back to London right. because oh, yeah. uh, the crime rate spiked all of a sudden. Yeah, he wasn't that's there. A, I was going to say I thought they were there, and it was funny because I I forgot, you know, and probably at the time I saw this, I didn't recognize any of those guys. So when I first went before I rewatched the movie and I went to Internet Movie Database was looking at the cast list, I'm like, wait, these people are in it? I don't remember uh-huh. being in it. And then I'm like, oh, they just kind of have small roles. So. Yeah. But oh, yeah, because I, I forgot Olivia Coleman was in, and after watching all the episodes of Broadchurch within the past year, um, I'm like, oh, man, she's really good. <laughs> Her role here is not what, she, what it was in Broadchurch, though. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> we got... Uh, there we go. Nick Frost is in here as well. Nick Frost plays Butterman. Uh, he is the... The chief, the sergeant is he a sergeant in this too? I think um, he is. I think uh, I think he's just a he's just a PC, right? Yeah, I don't know the different rankings. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's, he's, a son, a, he's a son of the yeah. Uh, Jim Broadbent is the character. yeah, and he's the inspector. He's like the guy in charge of the yep. Sanford police. 
Um, so they, so basically, like you said, they, um, they kind of tell him they're sending him off to Samford. You know, it's supposed to be like a big like promotion for him, but he shows up there and it's like the world's like it's just like a small country town. There's like not 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 much going on there. Kind of like a village where everyone knows everyone. Like no crime, nothing ever happening. So like he basically is thrust into this world where he's used to the big, you know, all the stuff going on in London, and it's like there's nothing. He's kind of like a fish out of water at this point. Yeah. Um, and th- all the all the officers there are kind of taken aback by like all this all his accolades, and they keep asking him if he's ever been shot. Yeah. So there's a whole conversation that him and Nick Frost have rocking on the street where Nick Frost keeps asking him things like, "Have you ever dove and shot two <laughs> guns at the same time?" Or, or have you ever been- sh- shot your gun up in the air while like screaming and stuff? And, like basically, Nick Frost character watches a lot of action movies, but doesn't. I mean, there's nothing going on in Sanford, so basically the cops don't do anything there. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the first part of the movie is a lot of like fish out of water stuff, like him trying sure. to get acclimated to being in Samford. Uh, when he first meets like Nick Frost, they're in the pub and it's like he basically arrests them for being drunk and like takes him to the police station and puts him in the drunk tank and stuff like that. So it's a lot of like kind of him getting acclimated to being there, kind of what we're shown at the beginning of the movie. Yep. And, uh... Yeah, and, and a lot of it is just like him being shown around through the town and meeting all the different characters in town. And everyone does seem kind of off. Right. Like you're not quite yeah. sure what it is yet. Yeah. But everyone seems a little off. Yeah. And he and I think uh so we end up, I mean, uh like that first night he arrests like a bunch of teenagers, he arrests Nick Frost, he's kind of just like putting all these people in jail and like uh the next morning, he's meet, he meets like uh, Jim Broadman. He finds out that Nick Frost's son. Um, they kind of talk about how Sanford, it's a big deal about how it's like the safest village in the country. And that's kind of like their whole thing is that they, they want to win this like village of the year contest, I think is what they call. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Which they've, did they, had they had won it in the past, I think is what it was. They keep winning it. Uh, I think maybe that's it, or they. I think they have won it, and they've been on a streak of winning it, so they're trying to continue to win it, but it's like a big deal. It's like the biggest thing for them in this village is to keep winning this contest. Um, and he's introduced, they have a like a, kind of like a neighborhood watch thing. It's, they call it the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, which is like kind of all the people in the town. Um, they, they, you know, they have all these cameras that they watch the whole village with, and they're like really involved and really like <laughs> about making it a safe village. And I really like that the one guy's super concerned about the robot man who uh-huh. keeps showing up in town. <laughs> he's so concerned about him. Like The robot like, mime. Yeah, he's like showing him on the TV, and he's like, here he is here and there, and he's like, it's really funny. Um, so after that, uh, like I said, I don't, it's really a lot of just that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lot of for a while, just kind of like him being out of place and like not really knowing cause he's so used to all the stuff and all the action in London and he's still trying to be the same cop, but there's not like a lot for him to do. Like him and, uh, Nick Frost have to hunt down a swan that's loose and like, Stuff like that. So um, I think we uh, there's that funny bit where they misprint his name in the paper as Angle instead of Angel. Right. Yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> and so he's walking through the town. Everyone's calling him Angle. Yeah. Um, and I think like uh, so with, to kind of get in the main plot of it, it, there starts to be kind of some murders that happen in the town. Yeah, it starts with there's a performance, a local performance of Romeo and Juliet. And uh, it's a very creepy old older actor and a very very young actress playing Romeo and Juliet and they hint at the older actor is having an affair with the younger actress 
Um, and then after the performance of Romeo and Juliet, uh, they're found. They're found. There's a car accident. Right. And it's the two of them are dead from this car accident. Right. Well, collision. But, but, collision. but we know as the audience that they were killed by nefarious means. Yeah. By a, there's a cloaked figure who was there who comes in the dressing room and kills them both. Right. But then it's staged to look make it look like they were decapitated in a car accident. Yep. And uh, and Angel is the only one who kind of suspects that something's not right. And there's two police inspectors that are there in the town who just make fun of Angel the whole time right. and don't believe anything he says. The but Andes? The Andes, yes. <laughs> uh, which, um... Pop quiz, hot shot! Oh. Do you know why they're called the Andes? Do you know what led Edgar Wright to to make the name them the Andes? You know, I <laughs> I think I came across this in my research, but I, I don't I don't remember what it was. Okay, so say. the whole impetus of this is Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright did eight months of research with different police agencies around there, and they found that the most common name was Nick and Andy, and every <laughs> station had a couple Nicks and a couple Andys. So they just decided to make the first name of the character, Nicholas, and then the two Andes are the inspectors. Ah, right. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I knew it was something like, I read that they had done, like, interviewed over, like, 50 police officers and mm-hmm. all the research that they did for it. And all of those movies that are in Nick Frost's house are the collective uh, collective DVD collections of Nick, of, uh, Nick Frost, uh, Edgar the- Wright, and, and I think Edgar Wright's brother. And Edgar Wright's yeah. brother, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so they sat for eight months and just watched all these action films. So they uh, watched like Point Break and yeah. Bad I read Boys that, Two. I read that Nick Frost was given like thirty movies to watch, and yeah. they watched like one. <laughs> yeah. He watched uh, Bad Boys Two, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I saw that it said that when um, like because it said that they spent like uh, Peg and uh, and uh, Edgar that they spent eighteen months working on the script, and it said that they watched a hundred and thirty eight like cop related like films or shows to get like dialogue and work on for the script, as well as interviewing actual cops. Sometimes so. I feel like that's what this this podcast is. <laughs> it's just us watching movies for uh, for us to write a potential script later on. <laughs> And I do like one of the things when you said that they were interviewing the cops that said that they were uh, they kept being told that like paperwork was like 50% of the job. So that's why in the movie you get all those like intense scenes of him doing paperwork right. where they're doing like the quick cuts and he's like signing the stuff and doing the stamps and I thought they go back to that a lot. There's a lot of uh, the editing in this movie I think is really interesting the way I mean it's Edgar Wright's style but it's sure. very it's very effective in this movie. Yeah, he takes mundane things and makes them action packed. Yeah. Like it, the whole movie's like that. It's all it cut very, very quickly. It's shot very quickly. It's kind of like he, Edgar Wright has a very particular style in the same way that like someone like Sam Raimi has a very particular right, style. Yeah. You always know what an Edgar Wright movie is when you're right. watching it. Yeah, and it's not necessarily because of how it's shot, but because of how it's cut. Yeah, is what it seems like. Certain camera moves he's making, certain ways that he's that he's um, piecing things together. Right. Um, like even with all the stuff where they're gearing up. With all the guns there, or or the, or the quick cuts, there's never continuous scenes. It's always like, almost like um, stop motion, where right. he's putting things together. Yeah, and uh, and again in this movie they use it very effectively because like you said they do it for a lot of like mundane things, like they keep going back to the paperwork and yeah. and stuff like that, which is really funny because it's like the kind of exciting action that you would see for like a big action sequence, but it's done for paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the whole movie's the whole movie. 
moves fast. Like I don't I don't remember there being a slow point in this film. No, it does. It moves it moves along pretty quickly. I mean, it was a little longer than I remember it being, but That's true, yeah. But it everything always seems long. I mean, when I watch it for the podcast cuz I got to pause and I'm taking a note or I'm rewinding uh-huh. and I'm like I always watch them in segments, so it's a, I'm a bad judge of how fast the movie moves uh, for fair. the podcast. Yeah, that's how I was too. Although I, I was able to sit and watch most of this movie straight through, which that's is good. rare. Yeah. I don't normally get a chance to do that. <laughs> I, I have my notes for some reason. I don't remember the context of him saying it, but at one point he says, by the power of Grayskull, but I don't remember who oh, yeah. it said. I, don't know that I think maybe Nick Frost says it. But Nick, yeah. No, Nick Frost definitely says it. Um, I don't remember either, but that ended up when they were releasing this movie uh, at the Dallas Film Festival. Uh, Dolph Lundgren actually introduced right. it for him. Oh wow, that's uh, he was uh, He Man himself. He was yeah. He Man, yeah, the He Man movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's so interesting. He's a, he was a big fan of the movie, I guess. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were fans. Like one of the things I read is that uh, because like Jim Broadbent was such a big fan of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg that he literally was like, "I want to be in your next movie." Right. So they like wrote the part for him to be in, mm-hmm. which is I can see because like we've talked about, uh, Shaun of the Dead is such a great creative movie. So. Yeah, it's really good. I, I don't know. Would we be able to cover it? That's more of a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. You could stretch that action movie. I mean, yeah. obviously we stretch it all the time. But again, you know, just to, I, I think it helps to get a variety of movies in here, you know. Yeah. So and we could do it eventually down the road. Maybe. We're, we're definitely going to do uh, Scott Pilgrim at some point. Yeah, you know what? That's funny. That was one that was on my list to, to do. I'm, I'm always thinking of uh, telling you that we should do that one. Well, I have a specific guest that we're going to have on for it. Okay. Well, I look forward to that because yeah, I... I'm, work- I'm, I'm working on getting that schedule right now. Okay. Because I'm a big fan of that one. So. <laughs> we're working on that one. <laughs> to be continued. Yes. So anyway, so yeah, so then there's several other murders that start to happen. And, um, and, and again, uh, uh, Nick Angel is the only one... Simon Pegg's character is the only one who's kind of suspecting foul play, and everyone's kind of downplaying it. Um, yep. Even the police chief is right downplaying it. Yeah, no one, no one seems to believe him that these are nefarious acts, and that you know they just oh they're just accidents and and all this stuff. And even the um, the news reporter uh, Tim Tim Messenger is it. Yep. Like, uh, he thinks that he knows what's going on and like he's like oh he's he's into it. And he's like come meet me to talk about this when they're having their like. Uh, uh, village like festival and he gets like in a ridiculous scene he gets like the part of the church they like push it off the top and it falls one and of the lands, spires like, yeah it lands right on his head that might be my favorite part of the movie it is <laughs> so yeah. great it's so Monty Python-esque like mm. just the way he's walking around right. his body's still moving around with this giant <laughs> spire sticking out of his neck oh it was the greatest Oh, uh, I guess, and we, before that one, there's another murder that happens where it's a guy, like, what the rich guy in town, he has this big, like, fancy house, mm-hmm. and, like, they, basically, they he gets killed by the same hooded murderer, and they blow up his house, they kind of cover it up, so it looks like it was just, like, an accidental explosion. I can't remember that gentleman's name, but... Yes. And nope, you, that's it, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yes. And you said that that uh, the the spire part is your favorite part. I have a favorite part of this movie that I'll let you know when it comes up. It's not toward, towards the end. I rewound it like four times and watched it when I was watching the movie because it made me laugh so much. I'm curious what it is now. <laughs> it's so it's not random, but it's like I laughed so much that I had to keep watching it again. Uh, so eventually, uh, when does he decide? When did he when does he kind of start piecing things together? Well, he he goes to. Um, he talks to the lady at the the flower shop. That's right. And she kind of is talking about how she's getting ready to move. And he basically finds out that they're building a road 
um, into that's going to go by Sanford, I believe. It's like a uh, like a big highway, and that they think that they're trying to buy up the land so they can build like you know stores and stuff like that. And he thinks that Timothy Dalton, who runs the local supermarket, is like trying to stop this because he runs the supermarket in town. Right. And when he goes to talk to the lady at the flower shop who sold her land to these developers, like he's he leaves the uh, shop and he sees her and she gets stabbed with the big thing of like pruning shears. And he chases the guy, but I don't think he catches him at that point. No, no. no. Uh, And that's where he kind of figures out, he starts to sort of piece things together that there's something else going on here. Um, Ultimately, he kind of thinks it's a plot involving, like you said, like people trying to prevent the buy-up of land. Right. He thinks Timothy Dalton's behind all of it, and he wants to stop... Um, because he, he runs the store, he doesn't want this highway coming, and he doesn't want the big, you know, like uh, the equivalent of like a Walmart being put up in the town and taking business away from him. Right. He doesn't want a giant Tesco being built there. Well done. See, did anybody get that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you didn't pluralize it as well. <laughs> yeah. No, just Tesco. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. like my. It's like Meyer here. Yeah. It's not Myers or Kroger's. It's Meyer or yeah. Kroger. Yeah. Not Kroger's. So I, there's like a big... <laughs> so, sorry. No, got, it's okay. We got deep there in the vocabulary. There's, That's for the, the British uh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> they like that. We're, we're big overseas. Not really. Uh, <laughs> so there's like a big scene where he kind of... They kind of go down. He convinces the cops to come with him where they go to like the supermarket and go to arrest Timothy Dalton. But he's got like a big alibi that it wasn't him. And he proves that it wasn't him when the murders are taking place. So they kind of are like, all right, well, we can't arrest him. But then uh, Nick Angel goes back to his room in the cottage, and there's a mass hooded guy there that he fights with that's trying to kill him. And he ends up, I think he unmasked him there, and it's the big... It's Lurch. Uh, yeah, that's the right. big Lurch guy who worked for Timothy Dalton at the uh, supermarket. Mm-hmm. So what we end up finding out shortly after that is that basically um, behind all these murders is that Neighborhood Watch Alliance. And like the big like thing behind it is, is they're basically murdering anybody they think is hurting the reputation of the village that's going to cost them winning this Village of the Year award. Yeah, it's essentially the plot of a sitcom. (laughs) In some ways. And he finds out that, like, one of the main guys behind it is Jim Broadbent's inspector, uh, that, like, his wife was, like, really obsessed with them winning this uh, Village of the Year award. Um, And that, like, some gypsies moved into town and, like, messed it up and they didn't win. And she kind of went crazy and basically killed herself because she was so upset that they didn't win this award. So then he basically made it his mission to clean up the town and make sure that they got this Village of the Year award. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's, yeah, it's a Scooby-Doo plot. Yeah. And the other people that died in the start, like, like the actor and his girlfriend's. It's just because she had an annoying voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was, that was it. Because I think they, they, he was, the, he was the solicitor or the lawyer for. Um, he was the somebody. attorney for. He was, the, he was the attorney for everybody in town basically. Right. But he was representing the flower lady. Right. In selling her place so that she could get the money for the for the highway or whatever. Right. It was. Right, and I think they say they killed the one guy just because they thought his house was a real eyesore. Yeah. They didn't, yeah. they didn't like it because it was so big. And I think I, they killed the the newspaper guy. I don't know if it was because of all of his because of all his typos. And they have that like quick scene where they cut to all the typos that he has in the paper. So it's uh-huh. like it's like all these really mundane these things petty, that, petty that things. it turns out that they were all these murders were for. So it's kind of a funny reveal in that regards. Um, so uh, Danny uh, he or uh, Frost he tries to get uh, Simon Pegg to leave town basically after all he 
finds out about it. Well, then, he pretends to kill. Right. He pretends he to kill him. He stabs him. Right. But it's uh, just to kind of make him think that he... Cause he Okay, so he tries to make his dad think that he's on his side, so he stabs him and then, like, takes him and says, hey, you got to leave town. Right. Yep, throws him in the trunk of his car and drives him outside of the town and says, here, and Simon, he says to Simon Pegg, here, take my car and leave. And then never come back and we'll be fine. Right, but he doesn't. No, he decides <laughs> to... So previously in the movie, they had confiscated hundreds and hundreds of guns and yeah. weapons, including a landmine. Yeah. Or, uh, I'm sorry, not a landmine, a water mine uh, from this farmer's house, uh, played by... Um, I can't think of his name now, but he's the groundskeeper in the Harry Potter movies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's your wheelhouse, not mine. Yep. And um, Wait, Hagrid? No, not Hagrid. Well, isn't he the groundskeeper? Uh, no, he's the gameskeeper. Okay, sorry. Never mind. You know what? Let's not talk about no, it. No, it's too bad. <laughs> this is too deep. Uh, when we do our Harry Potter mini series, uh, <laughs> oh, dear we'll Lord. get into it. Uh, so, so Simon Pegg goes and he collects all these weapons and he suits up yeah. old school action film style yeah. and rides into town on a horse. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so ridiculous how many guns he has. Um, it's like Arnold in commando level guns, like two shotguns in his back and yeah. just like riding a horse through town. It's all he needed was a rocket launcher. It's, it's a pretty, <laughs> That's all he was missing. It's a pretty great image. He gets all the like kind of like the use and the hoodies. He gives them all the spray cans to like basically spray all the cameras in town so they can't see what's going on in the right. command post. And then a giant shootout ensues. <laughs> and by giant, I mean it is a huge shootout. Everyone from the NWA uh, is shooting at Simon Pegg, and then Nick Frost joins in and, and joins Simon Pegg in the shootout. And they basically reenact or pay homage to every single action trope that they'd mentioned previously right. in the movie. They had spent, a, a, I don't know, they probably spent like... 15 minutes describing various, like throughout the movie, 15 minutes describing various action scenes and like Point Break and Bad yeah, Boys 2 right. and all this stuff. And then they literally literally did every single one of them in this right. giant shootout, <laughs> which is the entire back half of the movie. Yeah, I think it's this great thing where they spend the whole movie kind of like, like oh, those are all cliches and like kind of uh, Simon Pegg's characters, like that's not what police work is like and kind of dispelling <laughs> all the stuff. And then the last 20 minutes, it's literally every single action cliche you could think of thrown into the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And there's a lot of shots. Like that was, there wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of uh, like CGI special effects or anything in this. So I was reading that all, almost all of the CGI effects were just like extra bullets and shots and ricochets <laughs> that they added to all the all the shootouts at the end. Wow. <laughs> a part that I do enjoy in the shootout that I have in my notes here is when he when he blows the doctor's foot off with that gun and then he says, "You're a doctor, deal with it." <laughs> <laughs> is that the part you were wanting to laugh at? Nope, it is not. <laughs> okay. I will let you know when that comes up. We're not there yet. All right. <laughs> Uh, so eventually in the shootout, he ends up like the whole, he gets the whole police force to help him, even though they kind of know Jim Broadbent behind him. Everyone else kind of is like, all right, we're going to support you. And they're on board with helping him like end this. Yeah, because it turns out the police force wasn't corrupt. They were just all idiots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what it was. So they like, they storm the supermarket and there's a, there's a fun scene where like the, the meat cutters are just hurling all these knives yeah. at him, like a seamless, endless supply of knives. Um, and so it ends up like in a, like a car chase, like they're him and, uh, Pag and Frost are chasing, uh, Timothy Dalton and Jim Broadbent. It's like a big, you know, classic movie car chase through the village and stuff like that. Um, and they end up crashing because of the swan that they were trying to find earlier in the movie. Throughout Finally, the entire movie, the yeah. swan keeps showing up and they keep <laughs> just missing him. Yeah. And this, was the, the, was the guy that they were, um, 
that are talking about the swan? Was that somebody famous? I feel like yeah, uh, was the, Stephen Merchant. Yeah, uh-huh. I was gonna say okay, like that that guy looked familiar, and I was like, oh, I couldn't quite place him, but yeah. he's the he's the guy that they're talking. I yeah. think when he's like asking him questions about the swan, he's like, well, it, it's a swan. swan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the car crashes because of the swan. There's like they're on like a is it like a miniature like replica of the village that they're fighting on? Yeah, it was a miniature replica of the village. I think they also used it actually as some of the special effects for the movie, I think is what I read. So, cause they, they did like miniature work for when the buildings blew up and stuff. I think that's actually the miniature they made. They just oh. used it in the movie also. Okay. Cause I was like, I was like, cause they have this big battle, him and Timothy Dalton, and they're basically fighting on top of this village. Um, and they I crank two Godzilla style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. And I can't remember exactly what happens to him, but somewhere in the fight, he falls and like impales himself on that like top of the he model gets, of the church. He gets like punched, and he goes flying backward. And it's like it's really gross because it like basically impales him like through the bottom of his mouth, and it's like sticking up into his mouth. Right. But he's alive and he's yeah. still like talking and stuff. Like so much so, when they put him in the police car, he, they just like chopped off the part top of the church, and it's still stuck in his mouth. It's really it was it's gross. But it's it's a gross visual, but it's really funny. And I think um, the Jim Broadbent tries to get away in the car, but the Swan is in the back oh, yeah. of the car and scares him, and it causes uh-huh. him to crash into a tree. So they basically reveal that they catch all the bad guys, but most of them are all still alive. I think is what we're what yeah. we find out. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as I know, everybody's still alive. <laughs> so the part that I really enjoyed, it's like after they arrest everyone and they're back in the police station and they're all having a good old good old time and they're like all laughing and joking about stuff. And there's just a scene where Simon Pegg is sitting there and the garbage man <laughs> garbage can comes <laughs> flying across the room and hits him right in the head and he's like, Oh, you cheeky fucker. <laughs> that part was so funny to me that I rewound it four times because it's just like out of nowhere the garbage can just hits him in the side of the head. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, so, but then like all, all this seems good and well, but then the guy, I, I can't remember who he was in the town, but the guy that basically ran the neighborhood watch, who was the camera guy. Like, yes. Like he shows up in the police station. He has a gun. Um, I think he goes to shoot Simon Pegg and I believe like, doesn't Nick Frost like. Nick Frost jumps in front of the bullet. Right. And takes the bullet and somehow it ends up that, that mine, that landmine from earlier gets triggered and blows up the entire police station. Yes. And then we cut to it's like one year later and they're making you think that uh, Nick Frost's character mm. died because they're at the cemetery. But it turns out they're just at the gravestone of his mom. Right. And they're just still, uh, he's the angels of chief now and they're just, you know, running cops. That's it. That's <laughs> essentially what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then the movie ends at that yeah. point. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> um, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yes. I, I did enjoy it too. Very funny. I forgot how good it was. Like I remember it being good, but I forgot how good it was. Yeah, right. and that's the thing too. Is like I knew because I owned it and I'd seen it. I was like, oh, I like this movie, but it'd been so long since I watched it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what did like? How does this rank as far as movies you like goes? It's, it's pretty up there. Yeah. Um, like most of the movies I like are either comedies or horrors. So that's why I like the the trilogy because it's got the. Shaun of the Dead. Yep. Obviously, it's comedy and horror. Um, I would say it's it's not it's not one that I would watch, you know, like once every month or anything like that. Right. Because I know you like more uncomfortable humor. Yeah. You're like a like curb your enthusiasm style. Humor. Yeah. So it's not it's not that st- sort no. of style. But I mean, I think a, a lot of the just the British actors in it, especially the comedians in it, I 
like from other things. Yep. And so just that kind of history of all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the, the stupid jokes in it. You know, I like the one, the one about the farmer and their moms owning the guns. He's talking about like um, how nobody has guns here, and he's like, "Oh, that's everyone's, right. Everyone's got guns here. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> got the- farmers and their moms. Yeah, and who else? Their moms. Their moms. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, the farmer and his mom. Uh, that's right. Yeah, they have the guns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is good. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I do like the. Uh, we forgot to talk about. There's a scene. Uh, before kind of all the murders take place where he's like chasing a uh, shoplifter like uh, right. out of the grocery store and there's that great scene where he turns and like goes into the alley and he's like he's like you mothers and there's like a bunch right. of like yeah. mothers pushing strollers uh-huh. like blocking his way in the alley it's like kind of there's a lot of like he said like dumb like jokes like that but they work really well yeah they, no they really do and I think it's like part of it is because like Simon Pegg plays his role like so serious in this that it's like you believe that he's like this superstar cop so it's like kind of fun the way they put him in this like environment that he's like so like not him that it's kind of fun to see him react in all these ways to it uh this movie um was kind of universally acclaimed i mean i couldn't find very very many i couldn't find much as far as you know bad reviews go everybody kind of liked it yeah. Um, and I, I, that makes sense with what we saw for the uh, Rotten Tomato score. So ninety-one percent is pretty, uh, pretty well universally well liked. Yeah, and I and I found out in the in the UK it did uh, seven point one million pounds in its first weekend alone. Oh, okay. So that's like uh, it's like fourteen million dollars here. Basically. <laughs> I was right. gonna say I don't know the conversion rate. Yeah, it's so. like two to one basically. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, yeah, and and it did it did really really well. Uh, it's kind of it kind of grew. Uh, on DVD, it did a huge volume on DVD. Uh, it's overall his biggest hit, uh, Simon Pegg's, or not Simon Pegg's, uh, Edgar Wright's biggest mm-hmm. hit. And uh, and yeah, it, it's just kind of universally loved, which I can certainly see why. <laughs> I do have, and this one might be a little too tricky, but I do have a pop quiz uh, oh, you for you guys. Pop you have- quiz, hot shot! So they talk about in the beginning of the movie, like when they're kind of going over uh, Simon Pegg's character and, and Nicholas Angel and all his like great things that he's done. They talk about how he's earned like special uh, commendations for like five different things. Do you know what the things that he earned special commendations for are? Oh, man. I don't remember <laughs> no now. Idea. I saw it, but I don't remember it, what it is. It's, it's something it's a, ridiculous. It's a tough one. It's uh, Operations. Shakedown, Crackdown, Showdown, and Takedown. That's right. <laughs> so that was a tough one, but I thought it was kind of fun. I mean, no, it was I'm, good. I'm sure it's uh, something that just breezed through in the movie. But Yep. Uh, the only thing we haven't really touched on is kind of the music. Uh, we did kind of, we briefly touched on it with Arnold. Um, there was one song, so the Supergrass song, Caught by the Fuzz, was it written for the uh, movie? No, no, no. I was on their album, uh, Maybe called caught by the fuzz. So this is an older, but it's, yeah, as as it's, it's mid nineties, like okay. kind of Brit pop era. All right, well, we'll uh, play a little bit and see how it goes.
pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. It's a good song to kind of end cap because it basically it's that final scene with them. Uh, oh, where were they going to? They they just get basically the police call and they take off and then this kicks in. Yeah. So it's a really good end cap for the movie. Right. Um, oh, I did find it here. I knew I had somewhere in my notes uh, about how many. And this isn't really a pop quiz, so I'll just ask you. But do you know how about how many edits that there were in the movie? How many edits? Yeah, like how many actual like edits when like he was ed- putting God, the film there's together. There's probably a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't. I a couple hundred. <laughs> Do you have a guess? One better Six, than that one? Six hundred twenty-one. There was five thousand five hundred wow. edits in this film. <laughs> five thousand. That's what I. That's what I read. Wow. Mm. Which I mean, I believe it. Sure. Yeah. yeah it's all real fast-paced. So. That's kind of crazy, but I mean, I think one of the things I read said that he was really trying to emulate kind of like the the Tony Scott style of shooting like an action mm. movie, which is like has a lot of edits and stuff in it. So yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, so I thought that was a crazy number because I was like, man, when I was watching it, there's so many like quick cuts and shots like that, mm. so it makes sense to me that the number's so high up there. Yep, and it's appropriate for this film too. I mean, I think it needs that. Yeah, and I think it helped plays up the whole like you know. Like you said, one of the best things about this movie is like how they present kind of mundane things in sure. like an action movie sort of way yeah. with all the quick edits and stuff like that. And I like that this isn't this isn't a spoof of action films. Right. It's just kind of like an homage to action films. Right. Which it's you know it's not like it's not like a Loaded Weapon one. Uh, it's 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 basically an action film that steals from other action films <laughs> essentially. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of an action movie for a while that doesn't necessarily want to be an action movie, but then is at the end, like, full force. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, anything else on Rantis? Uh, we can rate it. Okay. So, we always let our guests decide if they want to go first with the rating, or if they want to go second or third. Paul, what would you like to do? I would like to go... First, ooh, <laughs> and then it sounds like the, why is that a ooh? I don't know. I just <laughs> We're just <laughs> injecting some excitement. Well, Way to poop on this, thanks, man. <laughs> oh, I, I thought I was just like reading it. How do I read it? Out of out of five machine guns, five you machine can do guns. half machine guns too. Okay, well, then I would definitely give it a four and a half. Four and a half. Oh, so way up there. Yeah. Okay. Any particular reason why? Um, just very very funny. It's got all like a lot of my favorite comedy actors in it, and. There's lots of like subtle jokes in it that kind of made sometimes go missed. So yeah, that's, that's why. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, well, I'm pointing at you. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you to go next. Don't break the fourth wall. They can't tell <laughs> that you're apologies. pointing at me. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said, uh, I was I was excited that this movie got picked because it's one that I hadn't watched in a while, but I knew that I liked it. I knew that I'd saw it. In fact, like I said, that I had owned it, and it was good chance to watch it again because I hadn't seen it in years. And just watching it again kind of reminded me why I liked it so much in the first place. Like you said, the comedy is great in it. It's really like a genuinely funny movie. Uh, but also the action is kind of great. Like they do, I mean, for kind of like doing all these action cliches, they actually do a real good job with it. And it's thoroughly entertaining from start to finish. And I think I love Edgar Wright. I love Simon Pegg. I love Nick Frost. I think everything they do is great. And this is, it's great. It does exactly what it sets out to do. So I'm going to give this four machine guns. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it, it. You're right. It's 
Paul, you're right as far as like the subtle humor goes. Like that was the part I had forgotten about. I forgot right. all the little throwaway lines that are just really funny. Right. Like really, really funny throwaway lines, and they're kind of glossed over in the film on purpose. Yeah. Um, but then again, there's also that real big bombastic stuff too, like all the action scenes. Um, it's it's very much a a blend of uh, comedy and action, kind of the same way like a Beverly Hills Cop is. You know, where there's equal parts action, equal parts comedy, uh, comedy, but it all fits seamlessly together. Um, and it's in that particular uh, Edgar Wright style that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, I'm also going to give it a four. Um, I like it a lot. I could, I really enjoyed watching this film a lot. Yeah, me too. I agreed. Yeah, yep. 100%. Uh, so I appreciate you bringing it to us. Thanks. Yeah, well, thank you. It's always, it's always good when a guest brings a movie and it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to terrible ones. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it doesn't happen very often. No, I think all the movies end up having their own merits in some way, but sometimes it's just like, oh, but this one is like one that I genuinely was like, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, right. no, I agree. <laughs> uh, all right, so we are Last Action Podcast. We come to you every Monday. Uh, we got a bunch of other podcasts here, too, on GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, movie Blast with Bob and Bax. Uh, we got uh, uh, Noiseland Arcade, which is a Simpsons podcast. We got... Um, um, last that we have, I'm <laughs> dying here. Legend, we have of, Legend Retro? of Retro podcast, which is a retro game ca- game podcast, and we have, of course, the Gamezilla Media podcast, which is the flagship uh, podcast of the of the network. Did you say Noobs and Dragons? I did not say Noobs and Dragons. Noobs and Dragons podcast as well is our Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, their season is actually starting to wrap up, so if you haven't, if you haven't caught on yet, I suggest going back and listening uh, because the finales. The finale episode should be coming up soon by the time this episode comes out. It may even already be done. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, check us out on, on GameZillaMedia.com and check us out on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Patreon especially. Um, even donating $1 gives you access to all of what we have, a lot of what we have to offer uh, on Patreon. Uh, so check us out on Patreon and donate. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, it keeps the lights on. It helps us bring you more content, which we really appreciate. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. So, Paul, is there anything you want to plug? I know you. You do you still do your, you still do your blog, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Every now and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been so long, I can't even remember the address of it. Paul, <laughs> PaulRobinsonWrites.com. Yep, is my blog. So if you go there every Monday, you will probably be disappointed. There won't be anything there. <laughs> right. But you know, keep checking, and maybe you'll find something. Mm-hmm. You're a little busy now. You yeah. got some, you've got some things going on. We got we got a little baby in the house. You right do, yeah. Yeah, we're fostering a baby, so it's going well. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit tired, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's some work. You know about it more about it than I do. So I certainly do. My <laughs> <laughs> my youngest is three, and you know him. He's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, really? I thought he's pretty pretty calm, isn't he? Like pretty chill. <laughs> yep, real laid back that kid. Real laid back. Uh, so thanks for being here. We really yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, Joe. Thanks for being here. I'm just want to thank you too. I don't <laughs> you know, thank you enough. You know what, LBJ? I feel like no one ever thanks you for being here. So thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, no problem. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, on that note, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated, but we'll be back. <laughs>